Hello and welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week we travel to Norway. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. Hello. Second Cherry is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites and at our live event we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Hi Monty, how are you doing? Hello, I'm very good thanks, how are you? I'm really good this week, Mm -hmm. we are sweltering in the British summer but we're okay with that. It is, we're recording this on the hottest day of the year. Yep. Which is hotter than the last time we recorded one, on the hottest day of the year. (laughs) Yeah, hottest day of the year but we're in quite a cold country or what is known as a cold country this week. We are indeed, yes, and I've been in that country but it's been frigging freezing let me tell you. In fact, I was in that country while it was frigging freezing with somebody who's our special guest on today's show. Who's our special guest, Monty? It is Ellie Chalkley. Hello, Ellie. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm in Glasgow. So even though it's the hottest day of the year so far, I'm wearing a jumper. (laughs) We can do with some of that coolness down here. We are literally melting. And um, thank you for joining us, Ellie. Um, Ellie is, you may know Ellie from ESC Insight. Uh, you may know Ellie from Eurovision again. You may know Ellie from the fabulous every Eurovision result ever tea towels that um, are on sale online. <laughs> you may know her from a fantastic Twitter account. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me along. I, um, I'm feeling honoured and privileged. Now, Eddie, we were in Norway for the national final a couple of years ago, weren't we? Oh, yes, the Reback versus Ida Maria year. Yes, and we were both Ida Maria stands. We were not Reback stands. Uh, well, I don't know. I had like a weird religious experience, like when I realised how much the Norwegians absolutely love the Reback. Yeah, but the song was crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, fundamentally, that was the problem there. Like uh, the guy. Fine, whatever. He's a furry. and oh. uh, But yeah, alas. Anyway, the Norwegian national final, I get excited about it now because it, you know, I always end up with a couple of songs from MGP in my playlists for the rest of the year. And so when I heard this was going to be an extra big one, like a magnum MGP, I was super excited. And it really was a a, a mammoth exercise. Um, It was the 60th anniversary of of Norway's um, entry into Eurovision. And so they decided to hold a special show. It was only actually the 58th edition of the MGP because they haven't participated every year. But they they really went all out. So they had uh, five stage heats. Um, which were divided into the five regions of Norway, the northern, central, western, southern and eastern regions. Each of those regions had its own heat where the artists and songwriters from that region completed for a place in the final. And in each heat, four songs were paired up together in duels and then went into a second. The winners of each first duel competed against each other and the one winner 
went through to the final. The five winners of those heats joined five songs which were pre-qualified, but which were previewed week by week in the shows. So we had ten in the final altogether. And then in the final, ten got whittled down to four, four and a gold final. And then two were selected by being paired up against each other, which went forward to a gold duel in the end, <laughs> which resulted in a winner. Eventually, 25 songs complicatedly whittled down to one over a long time. Do you think they went a bit too big? Well, they were going to go a little bit bigger, weren't they? We heard that there were going to be 60 songs to start with. I mean, they whittled it down to 25. Yeah, it felt like it It felt like it really dropped off for me. It felt like, um, because it started so early, it felt like a New Year's resolution gym membership. Like the first heat, I was there, I was first listen, I was making notes, I was excited, (laughs) I was wiping down the little benches and everything. But by the last heat, I was sort of just pretending it didn't exist and sort of slinking by on my way to Festival de Cancel. <laughs> yeah, not even stopping at the coffee machine to pop Tempe in. <laughs> um, yeah, it did. It it did start really well, I think. But there was a lot of it, and there was not quite enough quality in the songs to pad out the twenty five slots. Perhaps I don't know. I think there was. I think just the way they did, they they delivered the national final wasn't right i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of the duels and stuff i don't know perhaps they should have just had two big semis instead yeah well we like that here <laughs> so but there, there there was a winner of this national final <laughs> oh wait no before we do there was a winner but how they came to win was a little bit controversial because ellie explained there was some issues with the voting so um, shortly after they'd played a VT about how at one point when they introduced televoting to the Norwegian national final, they made a complete arse of it and had to go back to juries. So after that, they went ahead with the online vote to go from the 10 songs to the silver duels. And then the online vote promptly crashed and they had to go back to juries and Norwegian hubris. Mm. Which resulted in Eureka Brandstop stop 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 um, stop with the song Attention. Let's have a little listen to that now. So it's a question we ask every week, Ellie. Do you think the right song won this national final? I know we're about to get into the other songs, but top line, was this the best song? Do you know, there wasn't anything that I was just... There wasn't anything that made me go, well, it was robbed in the Norwegian national final because even the really good stuff had significant downsides to it. (laughs) But... Ulrika is such a great national finalist, such a character, and you know she's still hunting down your man from France um, as as the <laughs> year goes on. Uh, and so I'm really glad that she won it. 
And then, of course, it's a Moreland-written song, and he is another person who, he's shortly behind Reback in the queue for Norwegian affection, but not that far behind. Um, so I feel like it was the most likely winner, and it may as well have won. It didn't really matter much to me. And Moland is second cherry alumni, of course, because he was our Norwegian entry last year. Oh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, I'm I'm not that keen on the song. I have to say, I would have, there are others I would have chosen, and we'll maybe find out some of those as we go through the show. But it was a, a solid performance. I was quite surprised it got so much affection, really, because I didn't think it necessarily deserved that much love. But I think it got the young nice. vote. Yeah, I think the I think the kids liked it. Especially I mean, and I'm talking like actual young kids. I think they love yeah. that, you know, sort of like sparkly woman on stage who's singing about give me attention. I don't know. It about it me. speaks to a very specific emotion. And I'm too jaded for it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why the kids love it. <laughs> so let's have a listen to some of the other songs that we've chosen to highlight for you in this episode. So the first song that we're going to listen to is a song called Rainbow by Kim Riestadt. What did you think about Rainbow? Um, I say this a lot about some songs. I say it's kind of more retro rather than dated. Um, I don't know why I think there's a difference between those two words. It just it just does that for me. This is sort of out of the Rasmussen higher higher ground handbook. It's kind of uh, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like he could have been dressed up as a as a Viking, and I would have believed it as much as as. As anything else it's an obvious sort of nod to queer acceptance and self-confidence I don't know I'm not sure what his sexuality is although it is a fabulous jacket so I don't want to judge but it, it has lots of different access routes into understanding what this song and is about and how it means what it means to you so I can see I can see why people like this that is not something I can say for a song that's about we're about to discuss. Uh, but there is, I can see why this is kind of a bit more broader appeal to people. I don't know. What do you think, Ellie? It's got it's got your standard theatrical ballad mechanics in it. It's got some Bondy cadences, like it's it's angling for a sort of a late seventies Bond theme. But nowadays, the Bond theme is Billie Eilish mumbling into a piano, so it's nearly forty years out of date and you know you got your axle rod in ukraine and i'm not letting you have this <laughs> <laughs> well we have to see what's chosen i mean full-on theatrical here i mean there's he, the whole whether he's gay or not the whole song is as gay as you like yeah um it really is um you know quite over the top it's it's there's a bit of schmaltz going on in this. Definitely, I think there's a there's a nod to the the Axelrod school. Um, Axelrod, of course, is our Ukrainian cherry uh, with the song Horizon, which 
caused a bit of division in the ranks, yep. um, but that's the cherry. Um, so I, yeah, I'm. This wouldn't be my pick, but there's something quite nice about it. I remember Rob Holly was championing this very early doors, you know, before we'd even heard all of the songs. He was, yeah. And I think that's what turned me on to the song. And maybe this, he's got sort of a little bearish, cubbish, yeah. kind of sort of art school, bearish, cubbish yeah. look going on. So not not unattractive. No, I'll give him a cuddle. Pleasing on the eye. I wonder if the fancy jacket was alluding to the greatest showman and going, hey, people, you like this, like that, have some of this. Probably, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah not was... quite pulling off the greatest, but certainly pulling off the showman. Yeah, it was very glittery. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking I should have rephrased pulling off the showman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping that in. No, we're going, <laughs> keeping that in. <laughs> I think on that note... Moving swiftly on. <laughs> um, so the, the, the next song we're going to be talking about is Wild by Rayleigh. Ellie, over to you. What do you think about this? Well, this was in the first batch and it was kind of the first bop of national final season if we're not counting the late lamented Matana in Albania. And um, I don't know about you, but I am getting a strong whiff of Margaret off of this. Mm. Uh, In that it's a little bit by the numbers. It's a little bit dodgy. But where this differs from Margaret's various efforts at this kind of sort of bop by numbers structure, this is performed by Rayleigh with like steely eyed intensity. And she can perform it, whereas Margaret is... Well, we've had a discussion on the podcast before. (laughs) One of us certainly is quite... I look. I love. We obviously talk, when we say Margaret, we we be talking about the Polish Margaret who who's entered Melfest for mm-hmm. Sweden a few times. But um, I I I yeah. I don't want to say like I'm the downfall of her career, but the I made comments about how I just she annoyed me because she just didn't look like she gave a shit, and there was something we need to draw something out of her. And the next week she announced that she was taking a break from music, and I was like, oh, please. <laughs> um, maybe she heard the podcast. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but no, I yeah, I, I I I get what you mean. There was a lot more. I mean, bloody hell, really can she can perform? I'm I'm really impressed by anyone that can sing and dance and it not really affect the vocal quite as much. I think that is a massive massive skill. I think she. I don't know about the whole African Serengeti vibe. No, it's, it's, no, I would have. Does she get away with it? I don't. I don't know. think she does. I would have advised a rewrite and possibly for people to do some reading about why maybe calling yourself a savage if you're a Norwegian white lady is maybe not so great. Yes, um, yes. Let's um, let's let's say she doesn't get away with it then. Uh, it's you know, vo- I think vocally she was helped as well by the backing track. There was a lot of stuff. Going going on around her which helped but I still think it's a hundred she gave a hundred percent and uh it's actually one of my personal 
favourite songs of the national final season, actually. Yeah, I think, you know, there are there are uncomfortable moments yeah. in the visuals and uncomfortable moments in the lyrics. But she performs the pants off this song. And you're right, Ali, it's, it's an early bop in this season. It did, it showed a lot of promise. It's a really, it's a very pleasing number. Uh, it's a very pleasing melody and a, a very pleasing pop song. Um, and I wouldn't have minded if this had gone to Eurovision for Norway. Well, it wouldn't have gone to, you know what I mean, if it had been selected to go and then not go to Eurovision. Um, so, yeah, I, this is this is up there for me. Yeah. Rainy sure. with Wild. Okay. I just wonder why... Well, and I think I know it's because it was an early bop. I wonder why this one got much more traction than Akuvi's Somme du Air, which was a little bit more sophisticated than the sort of bop by numbers thing. Maybe maybe sometimes we don't want the sophisticated one. Maybe sometimes we just want the bop by numbers. Oh, I've been on Eurovision for long enough to know that we all want the bop by numbers. Yeah. Chichilina <laughs> says hi. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next song we're going to listen to is How About Mars by Jaeger. Come on now, let me take control. You're way too slow. How far are you prepared to go? How about Mars? How about Mars? How about Mars? Gonna take you on my starship. Boy, you know this ain't around you. Ellie, what are your thoughts? Uh, what a noble, elaborate failure. The studio on this is incredible. And it felt like a really big deal to get Jaeger in to do Melody Grand Prix. But when I realised she wasn't going direct to the final and she was going to be doing the competing like everybody else, I maybe should have realised then that what was going to go on screen might not match up to the studio. And just there with this incredible aesthetic, these sort of semi-interactive overlays in her pink cyber jumpsuit. And I don't know, maybe the camera cues were off, maybe she was off, maybe she just had too much to do at once in order to try and sing and do all of that. But good grief, it did not live up in execution. Yeah, I was disappointed, exactly like you. I heard the song and thought, this is my favourite, this is going to win. And then I saw the performance and thought, oh, no, the it's not right. There's something's not right in production. Like, you know, I, I do love, you know, all pink, cosmic bling, you know, this, she was very, she seemed quite confident in parts of the performance. So she was sort of like in complete control of her life. You know, she's kind of like taking control of this relationship she's talking about. I don't know, but uh, the song is current and it's exactly what I would want from a Western European national final. But yeah, you're right. They messed up. I think the graphics were clumsy. That when she was sort of just swiping her arm to move the graphics, I just felt it just needed more. Ugh, it just needed more to it. It was too clumsy. I think I think I would have advised her to strip back the stage show for the heats and then just really bring it if she got to the final. Yeah, and also not repeat. It, it was a repeated thing. So there was a cycle of verse swipe stand on the turn, this the Lazy Susan turnaround thing, and then repeat again. And I thought, that's really weird. You've got this whole stage, this whole space theme, and you've repeated the same thing twice. It was a bit, yeah, hit and uh, shoot and miss. 
if she'd have just had a dancer lad in some, I don't know, silver lame pants, she would probably have gotten away with it. Yeah, I could have gone for that. <laughs> this was, it was very high concept. And um, I think, you know, trying to do those screen overlays where she's swiping a little bit like Dami Im did with The yeah. Sound of Silence, mm. um, you know, got right. That looks incredibly impressive on stage. But I think there is a little bit in this where, you know, the the, the costuming was maybe too much and the the, um, the 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 whole, yeah, the performance just didn't work. It, it's interesting, I think, when we got to hear the songs sort of batch by batch, um, this is a song that absolutely stood out in, in the second heat. But then she went up against Raina Alexander, which we're going to have a listen to in a moment. So I'm giving yes, giving I mean. the running order away, but we're gonna we're gonna come to that. So I think this whole dual system sometimes creates. I know only one can get through, and only one is ultimately going to get through. But it, you know, you can you can lose some good songs along the way when you've got this structured progression through the competition. I don't think it always works. This is why my two big semis format would have been much better for them because then they wouldn't have been pitted directly against each other. Yeah, and then you could have got this and Ren Alexander through to the final from that kind of structure. And to be honest, of the five automatically qualified, certainly the one that was in this heat by the brothers Diedrich and Emil Solitangen, I, you know, why that was automatically pulled yeah. through above some of the other songs that were competing. You know, it, it just beggars belief, really. Um, you know, so, yeah, I'm with you. This probably should have got through. But, yeah, a little bit of a, a letdown on stage. Good mm. song, though. Good song. It, it's one where I've been really ruining not being able to have Nepati Pa because I would have put a pink jumpsuit on and danced around. Oh, but I can envisage you in that. Absolutely. I mean, virtually everything you own could be like a pink jumpsuit, couldn't it? <laughs> it do you know, it's one where I've I've not had the excuse to go there yet, but how about Mars would give me that excuse? Fabulous. And with the hair to match. <laughs> there you go. Marvellous. So, oh, I've jumped ahead of ourselves in that last comment, because coming next is the song that uh, Jaeger was up against, and it's One Last Time by Rhein Alexander. Now, talk about those unsophisticated numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts on this? If you described this to somebody without them seeing it, it would sound ridiculous. But it kind of works for me. Uh, vocally, he's abs- I mean, he's a great vocalist. I think he's quite well known. You know, he, he's got a very strong uh, classically trained, I would imagine, because of that, the way that he's vocally, he's very, very good vocally. I love the Game of Thrones reference, this whole White Walkers being raised up from the ground. It, that wasn't lost on me. I like the song. 
I think it is not a, a modern song, but it really pleases me. What do you think, Ellie? I thought it was like a big sweaty hug. Um, like, and maybe, maybe Ryan Alexander in that costume would smell sort of incredible, like leather and sheepskin, but awful, like lighter fuel. And like, he's not been Febreze recently. Just like having a guy belt out a song while dressed as a high fantasy Viking is something that's so iconically Eurovision that they did it in the movie. And I think this this was probably, if any of the Norwegian songs were a real loss for the contest this year, it's one last time. To me, this just made me think of if Kano and Roger Pontare from Sweden had a love child, um, except it was their grandfather, <laughs> it would be Ryan Alexander. It was kind of like Schlager Viking with a touch of something that could only be at least Scandinavian, if not distinctly Norwegian. There's just something absolutely joyful about the preposterousness of this. Well, <laughs> this is where this is where Norway did have a serious selection problem this year because they'd done so well with Kano that to go for something that is as sort of trad schlager as spirit in the sky might have been seen as trying to mine the same seam and be maybe diminishing returns or typecasting themselves but to go too far away from it would be to uh, dismiss something that won them the televote so i can see i can see a sort of a weird tension about this song in the norwegian imagination mm. <laughs> i i love it though but we'll move on to the next song and that is oh good lord okay the next song is called i am gay by lisa vasilieva Ellie, please kick us off with this one, please. Uh, it makes me think about corporate pride. Yes. Go it's, on. it's very corporate pride. So this will be your gay rights song. <laughs> but, but, right, instead of just having a gay person come and authentically tell their story, like Tone in the start of something new earlier on in Melody Grand Prix. In fact, you should read Dudepois's article in defense of start of something new on her blog. It's very good. I, I maligned the song and I was wrong because I should have known that this was coming. <sighs> it's... um. It makes me grimace. Well, what what's the problem, first of all, though? Because you say this because she's singing I'm gay. Well, I'm gay. Matt. Gay. Yeah. Ellie. A little bit queer, but Lisa isn't. 
Exactly. And she That's the problem. And in the interviews around the songs, so she was saying, you know, I did maybe try and find a gay artist to sing this. Uh, but but like nobody was like really up for it. And love, you should have known. <laughs> that klaxon, hello, hello. <laughs> I mean, it, it's totally unself-aware. Like I think Lisa might have been in going through with this process and doing this on TV. Um, like it's it's well-meaning and it's slapping a rainbow on everything. But I it made me grimace. Yeah, I think the optics of it or. If that's not bad enough, then just the song itself. Let's just judge the song in itself. It's terrible. The lyrics are what I imagine a middle-aged white woman, straight woman, would think being gay or think what coming out is about. And so they write a song about it because it's so, oh my God, I'm dancing on the rainbow. Oh my God, I just want to be myself. Oh my God, it's so fun. I'm now suddenly free. And it's like, yes, that, that, that's kind of right, but it's completely not what you go through when you come out. You know, it's a, it's a lot more grittier than that, actually. And it just seemed like this was not somebody who understood this subject matter whatsoever. I think she thinks that coming out is something that happens once where you have a party that uh, and a cake that dispenses rainbow M&Ms or something, rather than a continuous process of uh, having straight be judged to be whatever normal is and to have to continually remind people about your sexuality. It just, like... It misses the point quite spectacularly, and I know it's only supposed to be a bit of fun, but it wasn't fun. To be fair, she probably has just... it. It's like coming out once, because she's got on national TV, and she sang it to five million Norwegians and a couple of hundred thousand Eurovision fans. So, you know, she's probably... If she were gay, she probably wouldn't have to come out ever again, because everybody would know. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit on this, because... I There's something about this and perhaps the naivety of the cultural misappropriation that makes me think, is it a good thing that we are at a place in society now where somebody who isn't gay can get up and sing a song and be celebrated for doing so? She got to the final. She got... In fact, further than just the final, she got to the the gold final. She got to the last four with this. So there is support for it in some way. So is it, you know, is, is there something positive that we can take from a society where this is a song that can be celebrated? Because it isn't that long ago that people weren't coming out at, when they were LGBT artists because it would damage their careers. Yes, and it's well-meaning. So it's not like she's trying to cause offence. Of course she isn't. And it's not queer-faced. It's not like she's make. it's a mockery. It is genuinely what she feels. It is a celebration of being gay. That is, that is genuinely what she thinks she's doing on stage. And so that's where I would be with you on that. But you've got to take a step back, take two steps back, take three steps back and just see what the optics are and think, no, this this is tone deaf. And like it, it wouldn't have been the only queer coded song in MGP. Like you could have taken this out and still had plenty of representation. Absolutely, I agree with that. But I'm just wondering if there is that thing of are our straight allies are they? Have we reached a point where straight allies can celebrate queerness 
in such a bland or blasé way even you know i mean i mean I, i'm playing devil's advocate slightly because i think there is there are problems where people are representing or celebrating the queer community without understanding all of the struggles that we've had to go through i think there are problems with that but there is part of me that does think you know this is a is this representative of a very positive move forward in some ways? So I maybe my mental model of this has been wrong because I was trying to think about it in sort of outside world pop terms as if like if Carly Rae Jepsen was singing this who isn't gay but is a bit of a gay icon would I give Carly Rae Jepsen a pass for this? And I think I would be a bit annoyed at Carly Rae Jepsen for doing I Am Gay, but maybe I've been thinking about it wrong. Maybe I should have been thinking about it as if it was a cheeky girls song. And I would just, I would let the cheeky girls, I would let the cheeky girls get away with it. (laughs) That's a fantastic concept. I I wonder if, yeah, because you'd almost expect or you would hope that somebody like Carly Rae Jepsen had the insight into knowing how naff it would be for her to sing this. Um, And instead she'd come up with like an amazing banger about being an ally. Well, yes, absolutely. But I don't know, there is something that I find quite endearing about the fact that somebody is so comfortable with the idea of playing gay or singing a song about being gay when they're not themselves there's something i i find quite positive about that i find find quite heartening about that i mean the song's terrible yeah i was just gonna say monty yeah like if (laughs) i wish i could take so many positives but yeah well absolutely i try to find them but i i don't know there's something which i find quite pleasing about the fact that somebody is comfortable enough to do that and you can put being so open a statement about your sexuality even if in this case it isn't hers in the arena and it be celebrated had this been an lgbt artist where giving it more authenticity um in which case i would certainly be questioning what the hell are you doing because the song's so rubbish but were that to be the case of an LGBT artist going to Eurovision with this, it would have been interesting to see what kind of stir it made in some of the um, the Eurovision contestant countries. Well, we had uh, Azerbaijan declaring that they were straight or gay or in between. That's true. Although she didn't get to go, unfortunately. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe coronavirus <laughs> cancelling Eurovision is God's wrath for Azerbaijan mentioning gay in this song. That is a very yeah. specific thing, Monty. And <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, then, we've got one more song to discuss. And that is Over the Sea by Magnus Buchen. to say that Magnus is my husband. He doesn't know this yet, but he is. And I adore this flat cap, braces, tattooed, 
with a soft sensibility of a songwriter. Um, I'm going to set the scene. It's our this song is our wedding day. It's our wedding dance. All of our family are there having a great, wonderful time. Uh, at the end of the night, I imagine I would lean in and I'd whisper. Well, I don't know because then I get woken up by my rude neighbours. But I just feel like this just this whole song is just a dream to me. That this is me and you and our wedding day, Magnus. Before I scratch your eyes out, can I just say <laughs> I saw him first because um, my. Um, my 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 internet connection was two seconds faster than yours. And I saw <laughs> two seconds before you did, and I claimed it. Look, you know, joking aside, this is just pure joy for me from start to finish. It is just pure joy. I'm slightly less blinded by Lost. Um, <laughs> a lot less blinded by Lost. So. Over the sea, like, I was able, because I wasn't blinded by lust, to look at it and sort of dismantle it in songwriting terms. And in terms of writing a song to do well at Eurovision, maybe not Eurovision 2020, but a Eurovision in the recent past, Over the Sea is right there. It's got that sort of noughties and teen sort of uh, teens singer songwriter vibe to it. A little bit of George Ezra in the verses, um, a, a, a little bit of post Mumford acousticness. But it's also crucially got the national flavour when the fiddle comes in and, you know, it'll make anybody who's ever been to a Cayley or some country dancing tap their feet. And I think that is quite a clever combination because the fiddle section takes away from the Radio 2 blandness of the verses, but the verses make you feel comfortable enough going... Yes, this is this is a, a song. I know what these kind of songs are like. But being blinded by lust, I love it. <laughs> no, I this I, there is that kind of lovely acoustic sort of you know flowing alongness of it. We've had it in songs from Malta. It's very it's got a, a bit of a flavour of some of the the songs that we've had. Malta couple, 2014 Fire Life. That's what I'm thinking. I of. love yeah. and I love yeah. that song as well. Yeah, this I think yeah. Yeah. It's got that kind of flavour to it. And I love anything that brings in this kind of Scandinavian, you know, that that kind of folk tradition that's there in the songs. There's something I don't know, I mean I can I can see exactly why this would tug at a, a Norwegian's heartstring, a national sense of national pride and national identity. But hopefully in a kind of slightly ironic way, because I don't think it's necessarily meant to be taking itself seriously as that's as a as an example of the genre. I think it's just trying to have fun with it. Well last time they won they had a fiddle, some country dancers and a twinkly eyed gent in a waistcoat on stage. This is very true, yes. So maybe trying to replicate Something of former glory. Maybe. But they didn't, so... No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice. I like this. Yeah? Yeah? Good song. Happy it's with it. It's plenty nice. Plenty nice. So, they're the six songs that we want to highlight, but we've got a couple of honorary mentions for a couple of songs. Ellie, you've got one. Um. Yeah, I just wanted to draw people's attentions to Pung by Heia Björk, because... Like quite a lot of people are entering some sort of fairly slick Robin influenced uh, mid tempo electro pop, but not everybody is doing it while dressed as one of those origami fortune tellers that you made at primary school. <laughs> this is so Eurovision. 
I, yeah, I, I agree. I, but I said it's like a drumstick. In the UK, we've got like these sweets, I think. I think they're across Europe as well, like these different coloured, like chewy sweets. And she oh. looks exactly like one of those. One that you chewed into a bit, and so it was a bit lumpy in that <laughs> shape. Yeah. I want to highlight um, a just quite bizarre song that was in Heat 3 called Pink Jacket by Alexandru. Now, um, Alexandru was full of pride because he had managed to save his money up to buy himself a pink jacket, which he believed he looked rather natty in. And it was depicted very literally on the stage by the pink jacket being in sort of shop vitrine at the back of the stage until he could get to a point where he could put it on. And you knew he was going to put it on at some point. Sometimes, sometimes I don't think you should go too metaphorical with the staging. <laughs> well, this was very, very literal indeed. So there's but on the, the nose. metaphor, it absolutely. There's on the nose, and then there's punched on the nose. <laughs> it would have been cool if he could have done it somehow as a as a tear off reveal. But I don't know how you do a tear off reveal for outerwear. Oh yes, mm. to have it underneath your. Your under, not your underwear, but your t-shirt wear, kind of. It would have been, there would have been a bulky, lumpy and clumsy result. And that's that song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost disappointed we didn't get that visual now with it as well. That would have been quite something. So there you go, our little rundown of the Norwegian MGP for 2020. But uh, our next segment, uh, you know by now, is this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, our good thing of the week that is good this week is sat in front of us. Well, actually, sat at the other end of the the line in Glasgow, and it is Ellie Chalkley. You are our good thing of the week that is good. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We wanted to... Just take a moment to have a bit of Ellie appreciation. Um, If you're aware of Ellie's role in the fandom, it's relatively recent. Um, I think Stockholm was the first year that I met you. And it was really only in passing because you flew in pretty much as I was flying out. But since then, I think you brought such a unique voice and unique presence in the fandom that we just wanted to to highlight a few of the things. Now, we mentioned them actually at the start of the show because Ellie is a member of the ESC Insight team and ESC Insight as a whole delivers some really interesting and unique perspectives on Eurovision. So I think that the voice you bring into that is really welcome and highlight, I mean, as we said in the Ukrainian episode, really, the the fact that you'd written the article on the Black Square song, you gave so many people an insight into the song that they would have completely missed. And I don't see anybody really in the fandom doing that. But on top of that, you're also bringing in the Castaway shows um, into the podcast, which is another unique perspective. But it was an absolute joy for me to uh, do that recording with you. But also you've been involved keeping us entertained through lockdown because you've been the official scrutineer with uh, Eurovision again and the scoreboard. I know how one's life turns out. I mean, I started uh, getting involved with Eurovision stuff. I don't really know why. And now it's ended up with spreadsheets and drag. It's all very confusing. Not just any old spreadsheets, though, because, you know, you've had the genius idea of putting a spreadsheet on a tea towel. 
again, I cannot really ex- put the events that led to it going onto a tea towel in a coherent story. <laughs> it was supposed to be a poster, but like nobody wants a poster that's rolled up and folded and you know, they're quite difficult to ship, but tea towels, you iron them. I've got a space above my kitchen sink for a poster, so I'm going to order one of those posters and have it up there. Any shop selling those tea towels and um, other fabulous bits of Eurovision ephemera um, is totally flagulous, uh, which is on Etsy. Um, And the new thing that will be in the shop when this goes out is the (laughs) Eurovision again uh, 1991 disaster commemorative Allora, so on patch. Oh, <laughs> fabulous. That's going to fly off the shelf. <laughs> if you don't know Ellie's work, do check it out because I just think you bring such a, a, a refreshing perspective into the fandom where we've got, you know, we've got podcasts and websites aplenty. And yeah, it's just so nice to get somebody with a, a true, unique voice and a particular take. So, Ellie, we salute you and thank you. And congratulations on being our good thing of the week. That is good. Thank you, lads. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. Okay, so now that we have suitably embarrassed Ellie, we're going to move on to what we're all here for, and that is to pick the cherry, pluck this cherry. And so, I tell you what, should we just hand it over to Ellie, actually? Do you want to announce who our cherry is? It's one last time. It's Ryan Alexander. <laughs> Not to be confused with Alexander Bareback. <laughs> I, think, I think Alexander Ryan might be, like, his government name. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh, right. Okay. Well, there we'll, we are. We'll take him each way and every way. He's our cherry. Viking Schlager. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I think in, in the second cherry team, I'm just trying to think back. We picked this ages ago. I think this was a... I think it was a unanimous, a unanimous. decision. There was yeah. a couple of, maybe we could have this. I oh, know we're all going for this. Okay, no, we're all happy with this. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty nailed on. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm interested. I think that might do quite well, but I don't know. What would I know? Well, we can't sway the vote, of course, as members of the team. We just have to see how the vote goes on the final. So that's our cherry. And so I just want to say thank you to Ellie for being our guest this week. It's been magical. And um, if you guys have liked what you heard and you want to... Actually, if you want to say hi to Ellie or send a message and say how amazing she was on our episode, you can contact us on Twitter, which is at Second Cherry. On Insta, it's second underscore cherry. Facebook, we're the Second Cherry Podcast. And you can email us, which is what, Monty? Hello at secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. So yes, thanks, Ellie. We're really we're really pleased that we had you on. Uh, we've been referencing you enough on this podcast, so it only makes sense. So uh, yes, how did you enjoy it? <laughs> marvellous thank you for having me i have slagged off everybody's faves um (laughs) but you know there's good and bad in all of them (laughs) fabulous thank you very much and we'll see you next week see you soon Bye. bye